0: Hello everyone, in this week's episode of the Hewlett-Packard's Lab podcast from Research to Reality, I have a great honor and pleasure to be joined by my colleagues from Hewlett-Packard Enterprise and Hewlett-Packard's Labs. Uh, I have, I'm joined by uh, RT Garg, Nick Dubay, Paolo Faraboski, Ken Leach, and Rangan Sukumar. Together, we will discuss the topic of heterogeneous computing. We will express our point of view and call for action. I hope you will enjoy it as much as I have by working with my esteemed colleagues.
1: It is widely accepted that ubiquitous and heterogeneous computing is good, going to take an important role in the future. Outside of the embedded space, the computing industry is unprepared to deal with a flood of new specialized and conventional computing elements. We argue that the community needs to embrace a major shift to enable heterogeneity in, in an equitable, secure, and sustainable manner.
2: This shift has to cover every aspect of how we design systems, including platforms, interconnects, software, applications, and I/O subsystems. With the increasing innovation in the accelerator space and several new accelerators entering the market, there currently is a matching and unjustified diversity in the systems built around them software, and management stacks.
0: While in some cases, system-level diversity is justified by a different computing paradigm, the community needs to avoid gratuitous differentiation, which does not add value to diverse computing elements, complicates the integration process and application portability, and causes a multiplication of efforts that shifts engineering resources away from the core technology.
3: As a result, end users are facing increasing difficulty in reusing a single application code base across different accelerators. Similarly, system integrators are facing increasing difficulty in incorporating accelerators in their products and software developers in developing code that is portable across multiple heterogeneous computing elements.
4: To overcome these problems and to encourage focused innovation in the accelerator space, Uh, requires understanding the system-level differentiation points and providing a set of recommendations to all participants in the ecosystem, including accelerator technology providers, systems integrators, software developers, uh, the open source community, as well as the end users in both the scientific community and the cloud service providers.
5: The goal of these recommendations would be to identify the areas to open versus those where innovation is welcome. This work motivates this point of view on this topic, but also represents a call for action for all the major players to work together and improve the landscape of heterogeneous computing. We believe this is an important next step that will benefit the entire industry and collectively improve the ability to achieve faster results and better reuse across accelerated systems.
1: So we're witnessing the emergence of heterogeneity right now in the compute landscape uh, for, for a number of reasons. Number one, I mean, from, from the supply side, that the CMOS process is just being squeezed, which means that there's so much we can do by just incrementing, uh, going incrementally about developing new features on, on a standard CPU architecture, or what we've been doing for the last 20 years. By doing some specialized um implementations for for some target specific workloads like for instance for machine learning we can enable much higher acceleration of these workloads with the same cmos process that would be otherwise used for for standard compute so that's one of the reason that's driven by a squeeze on one side of our capability uh on the fab side but also by the emergence of those new workloads that are asking uh, for for different kind of computer architectures, we've seen that in the past, um, and we've seen all of those phases of constriction uh, and and expansions, and and this last one's been pretty pretty important, pretty significant, driven by uh, basically that uh, expansion of workloads requiring all of that acceleration, especially in the machine learning space.
0: If we look ahead, it is reasonable to assume that there will be convergence again. However, this convergence may take a while and until it happens there will be a lot of bifurcation, a lot of replicated efforts, a lot of inefficiencies. One potential hope is for example risk 5 uh, but that all of that may take a while.
5: Before we talk about the ways that we can integrate heterogeneity into next-generation computing platforms, I want to start by making sure we're using the same definition of heterogeneity because it can come in many different forms. I think one of the ways that maybe we're most familiar with heterogeneity in the high-performance computing community is in systems where you might already, and we're definitely seeing it, have a mix of CPUs and GPUs on the same blade, in the same nodes, but you still end up having uniform nodes across your system. What we're starting to see emerge is what is maybe we could call coarse grain heterogeneity, where you may actually have different partitions of a given high performance computing system with very different processor types. In some cases, you may have very new processor types that are network attached and don't really look kind of like your traditional rack um, racked computing systems in the first place. And this is leading leading to a lot of challenges when it comes to operators, system administrators, and really figuring out how do I take advantage of a system where maybe I have these partitions with very different technologies underlying them. And one of the biggest challenges is actually that since these technologies are new and emerging, the interfaces between say the software layer, the interconnect and the underlying processor and node design aren't well defined. Some new accelerator vendors are really going very far up the stack in terms of providing end user facing technologies. In other cases, we're seeing maybe some some growth in creating clear interfaces where maybe a system integrator can work with an underlying accelerator's technology and potentially with multiple accelerator technologies. This is a challenge right now that I think we need to solve in the high performance computing community because we need to be able to define these clear interfaces so that we can also clearly understand what um, which different types of vendors are playing in which area of the computing stack. Having these interfaces well-defined, having in some cases, standards around these interfaces will actually lead to more innovation and faster technology development in this space because it will allow for end users to some somehow mix and match between these technologies and really choose the right technology for what they're trying to accomplish
3: the goal of this work is to identify the most important dimension for you know a hardware software accelerated platform the idea is that we want to simplify using integrating it, and developing it while also enabling innovation for all the players in the system. Uh, We believe that an open platform should have a strong uh, set of common elements in areas that are outside of the accelerator itself, such as networking, storage, or workload management. And we, we don't have the illusion that this will be able to just cover the entire space, but we think that if we are successful in conveying the right message, we can actually lower the barrier of entry for new players and, for example, startups, and enable them to focus on their core innovation as opposed to what we sometimes refer to as gratuitous differentiation.
2: Our vision to handle heterogeneity is to be an open exchange for customer applications that need horizontal and vertical federation. Horizontal federation is the ability to distribute applications across different service providers cloud providers, on-prem data centers, and IoT deployments. Vertical federation is the ability to orchestrate applications from the edge to the cloud to the supercomputer. Horizontal federation will optimize infrastructure for workflow fluctuations, and vertical federation will optimize the need to move data back and forth. Customers will need both.
0: When we think about federation, the federation can be vertical, where we federate the edge and uh, either cloud or collocated data centers or supercomputers uh, with the edge, which could be heavy edge or it could be light edge, for example, for wildfires and things like that. We also have horizontal um, federation. That federation can apply across different supercomputers or across different clouds or across different data centers, uh, colos, etc similarly the horizontal federation can also happen at the edge for example when we have uh, a plethora of sensors deployed they can all be integrated preferably in uh, uh, in a pretty transparent manner having these two horizontal and, and vertical federation also enables you transparent federation in diagonal way where you can federate from your edge to any different kind of uh Clouds, uh, supercomputers, et cetera, and 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 similarly in the opposite way.
3: Achieving this vision requires openness, and at the same time, the ability to implement differentiation within an open framework, and also to be able to you know federate resources and combine them to be able to build systems on top of accelerators. Uh, There are lots of players in this field we have accelerator vendors, you know, silicon manufacturers, software developers, system integrators, cloud service providers, industry standards. And in the the work, we're highlighting some of the areas where, you know, openness is important versus interfaces and, uh, you know, differentiation is
1: important. So a key challenge to enable that federation of resources across sites and different administrative domains is that some of the large players in the industry today are all getting for different standards. And many of them are kind of locked in because it's part of the business model to lock in the users, lock in their data so that they can stay within their own, uh, basically their own environment, their own set of APIs and their own premises and their own pricing model. We're arguing, we're actually pleading for a much more open federation. And for that, we need to go build workflow orchestration at the meta level that abstracts all of these more specific or more logged in implementations. So we need to build open APIs, open interfaces. And then that allows all of the workflow to run across the various heterogeneous kind of compute elements at every scale from from edge to supercomputer to cloud and then that allows people to actually trade freely between those various entities and decide where they want to have their data processed or their their workload executed
5: as this Cambrian explosion of new accelerator types really leads to increasing heterogeneity in the high-performance computing space, one of the areas that is contributing to variability is this question of degrees of openness between different technologies. So in some cases, as we've discussed, There are are accelerator vendors that are really thinking in terms of creating a completely enclosed network attached accelerator that doesn't really integrate um, closely with other technologies that might be part of a computing system. More traditionally, we've had accelerators like GPUs that are closely tethered to CPUs that require CPUs actually to serve as hosts and offer a lot of possibilities for system integrators to design boards and interconnect to tightly integrate these accelerator capabilities into the overall system. These, this variation in degrees of openness creates some challenges in terms of really creating a homogenous experience, even if there is a heterogeneous gen- underlying processing capability.
0: Less open systems, they are typically exposed as a tightly uh, integrated appliances. They tend to be less open regarding their defining characteristics and interfaces. Uh, Some examples of these systems would be network attached, accelerated appliances dedicated to a specific task such as deep learning, model training, and similar.
4: Looking at the more closed end of the spectrum, uh, proprietary systems uh, like uh, TPUs uh, which are typically closed at the hardware level. Uh, these are typically only available with uh, cloud instances. Um, these are also closed at the software level, uh, where you need to use a provider's uh, software stack and SDKs uh, to be able to interface with these uh, types of accelerators. Uh, the network fabrics are also hard set uh, in these instances, uh, and there aren't many open source libraries to use uh, within the middleware and runtime layers. While users aren't really impacted at the hardware integration level, uh, they're constrained in the way in which uh, instances can be accessed, uh, orchestrated, uh, and where the data uh, that they process is going to be stored.
2: We need open ecosystems for the end-to-end pipelines. We need to worry about storage, networking, virtualization, runtimes, workflow, scaling, and security.
4: So there are several opportunities to apply system-level expertise toward a more general accelerators uh, architecture. In the network space, uh, there are often two different fabrics within a system. One is for the uh, generic uh, data center wide ethernet connectivity, and one that was uh, pioneered within the GPU space uh, for dedicated uh, inter-GPU connections. These two fabrics often use different protocols, and in case of the accelerator fabrics, uh, they often require uh, different things like uh, memory semantics transaction support like RDMA, um, other accelerators are following the same dual fabric pattern as well. So established standards such as Ethernet or InfiniBand, uh, th- those are going to be the natural candidates for system interconnects. Um, however, an interesting option as well is being explored, uh, which is whether a single converged interconnect can carry both the accelerator and the system traffic together uh, within uh, with using differences in patterns, uh, optimization points uh, to be able to classify the traffic as well as uh, being able to be managed with some type of uh, quality of service settings
3: one of the areas that it's important to understand is that data intensive accelerators uh, don't only operate out of their private memory so they do need connection to high performance storage to, in the case of machine learning, for example, to feed the, the training data. And in many cases, <clears throat> um, the storage connection is actually very important to be able to uh, take advantage of the performance of the accelerators themselves. And most systems today tend to include their own hot tier storage, like an array of flash and VME drives, so that the most important data can stay close to the compute. However, you know, managing them explicitly, <clears throat> there isn't really a single way of doing that. Lots of people have their own ad hoc methods to copy the data to and from the hot tiers. And that's because in general, most architectures in, in, a, in a large system deployment would include an, an external parallel file system. So finding ways and standardizing approaches in which programmers and developers can access these tiers without having to manually copy and manage a namespace is going to be really important. And, uh, and there are lots of technologies in this space that are being developed and uh, some approaches to kind of find a commonality among them would be also highly recommended.
5: When we think about high performance computing workloads, I, have, I always think about it in terms of the actual workflows. What are the different steps that end users take to deploy their jobs onto systems? In the last few years, we've seen um, a much greater emergence of containerized workloads, which allows users to actually bring their programming environments with them to systems and couple different potentially containers together into a workflow, which allows a certain amount of flexibility, but at the same time, there are some new challenges that are emerging. Probably one of the most important ones is this question of more interactive and dynamic scheduling versus more traditional batch scheduling that those of us who've been in the high performance computing industry for a while are more familiar with. Right now, it's very difficult to integrate a batch scheduled orchestrator, something like Slurm, with some of these more modern orchestration capabilities like Kubernetes. And in some ways, these two approaches to deploying workloads through a integrated workflow are on a collision course, where we don't really know how these two things can be integrated together. But for many users that are actually running fairly complicated workflows that maybe require some amount of tasks and processes that don't need to be completed just in time and can be run in parallel, but others that do, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the industry to ensure these different types of approaches to orchestrating a workflow can work together in a seamless way that really enables us to advance the types of workloads we are running on our systems.
1: I think the days when we were designing hardware in an isolation as general purpose hardware that could fit about every need are over. A great example of this is the uh, the recent Pat Forward a research program that accelerated exit scale it was really driven by co-design what's co-design co-design is the idea that you start with the workloads and the workflows and you basically drill that down to the software layers and all the way to the hardware to figure out if i want to deliver maximum outcome for a given application for a given or meta workflow what is the best way I'm going to go design my hardware? Yes, as a system hardware, but also all the way down to the silicon, the various features. And how am, I, how am I going to combine all of those different silicon options that I have to ultimately deliver the best pipeline workflow coming out of this? So, the way to do this is that we need to have hardware engineers working with software engineers, working with application scientists. All working together in the co-design cycle and that's what produces the best system overall um, as, a, as the ultimate result.
2: The community should seek to develop performant yet portable programming environments for these accelerators. The goal is to support a common source code across different platforms and different generations of the same accelerator.
3: Uh, when it comes to programming Uh, different accelerators expose different levels of complexity to the programming interface. Um, In many cases, accelerators like GPUs tend to be standalone, but in some other cases, we're seeing vendors morphing uh, CPU and GPUs together into a single APU, an accelerated processing unit. In that case, we think that the programming model will actually become simpler again since they both the accelerator and the CPU can now start sharing the same memory space and they can start effectively being part of the same execution environment. And we believe that programming environments that will support these combined CPUs and accelerators will become increasingly more important in the future.
5: In the last several years, a lot of process has been made and is continuing to be made around uniting programming environments between systems that run CPUs and GPUs. However, as new accelerators emerge and often with unique programming environments associated with them, very little progress is being there to further unify programming environments around all of these processor types.
4: There can be an explosion of new accelerators in the market focus mostly on deep learning workloads, the decision parameters of these to be able to pick uh, one vendor uh, over another within your uh, larger scale system is not as easy as looking at uh, simple metrics like performance per dollar uh, or performance per what. The ecosystem of industry solution providers and uh, ease of adoption uh, capabilities are just as important as any of the uh, technical and performance metrics of each accelerator or or the different system components. There are also challenges to overcome in the accelerator benchmarking space. For example, it can be challenging for you to extrapolate how well a custom AI model uh, might perform on a given range of accelerators. this is because of a couple of problems. In many cases, uh, we see a narrow focus within industry-wide benchmarking tools. Often um, they only use a few uh, they focus on a few use cases or open models. They also use synthetic data often uh, with, and uh train on small data sets uh, to be able to benchmark against. You have to be able to hope that you can find a good enough match for your use case or your model that you uh, intend to deploy to production to be able to compare against uh, to get good uh, model performance and prediction. It also isn't easy to incorporate uh, your custom model into the benchmark framework to be able to test uh, real uh, examples. As a result, some AI models perform better on CPUs or GPUs for a special class of problems, but that's not always true for every model and every usage scenario. The other problem that is that vendors publish against models and tools that elevate their performance expectations. Uh, these uh, likely don't see, uh, so in, in this case, you don't likely see similar results across a range of accelerators. The ability to support more models uh, in in common test tools and uh, for accelerator vendors to support more uh, open models, as well as adding um, an ability to configure for custom models uh, using these common test works is really key and critical uh, to be able to make prediction of accelerator performance better and more systematic. Uh, creating methods to truly predict performance gains by using analytic, data-driven, and roofline models are also required to be able to characterize uh, new architectures.
1: So security is a key aspect of pipeline workflows on heterogeneous compute resources. One of the key aspects is that we'll need to have to make sure we have isolation between the various work streams, right? And that can go through encryption and twin network. It could go to VLAN remapping and all of those things. We'll also need to make sure that As resources get allocated from one user to another, we keep them absolutely cleaned up from one allocation to the other one. And then, once the user is actually running, two key aspects are hardware root of trust and making sure that we have secure BIOS upgrades.
0: All accelerators should be authenticatable. Uh, They should have a cryptographic identity which is certified by their manufacturer. Uh, this guarantees that it is a genuine accelerator not a counterfeit uh, produced uh, by some random or wrong entity uh, or a state
2: all the accelerators should be able to attest to the firmware configuration and internal hardware components this guarantees that the internal hardware configuration and the firmware is correct the hardware components have not been tampered with the firmware is not malware and the configuration is what was expected
4: Hardware uh, Root of Trust, or also called uh, Silicon Root of Trust, uh, and data privacy are really important areas uh, to focus on uh, within security. Silicon Root of Trust for hardware identity has developed in computing to prevent uh, the misuse uh, and uh, what you could call counterfeiting or device identity theft. Uh, data encryption is another area uh, which plays a key role in securing data and establishing uh, model integrity. These areas should not ever be overlooked. Uh, in exchange for quicker time to market.
5: The overall recommendation of this proposal is to create a forum where all the major participants in accelerated systems can work together to define what to open, where to innovate, and how everyone can collectively benefit from improved heterogeneous computing.
2: The various players include end users, such as supercomputing centers, system integrators, open source and open science developer communities, Accelerated technology companies and cloud service providers.
4: In the following, we highlight some possible recommendations, activities and desired outcomes for each of the individual categories.
3: We need
2: action from the end users and from the scientists at the Supercomputing Centers in the US Department of Energy Leadership Computing facility labs. The set of actions I can think about are sponsoring a set of workshops that with the objective to produce a set of open recommendations and possibly standards and the reference architecture for future accelerated systems, or providing reference architectures to everyone as part of the requirement for future systems, and then work towards obtaining a large funding pool to motivate companies to come up with implementations that cut across the entire ecosystem.
1: So system integrators have a key role to play in enabling an open, heterogeneous computing environment. The first place to start is really in the runtime environment. We need to have development tools and, and the whole runtime stack, including the Met libraries, the parallel processing, a framework, and all of that, to support various um, compute instances underneath them and abstract their specificities so that the users can program once but target multiple of these all, all together. If the users have to port every time they move from a given accelerator to another one, there's no end to that. And that we're really not maximizing productivity if we do that. So, so development environment runtime is, is the first key part. And the key for system integrators to do that is really to work along the, with the community, uh, with open uh, open, uh private, like OpenACC, NP. Open and there's a lot of standards where the system integrators like HP need to keep jumping in, keep collaborating, enabling that. So that's the first, and in my opinion, the, the foremost piece of it. Then it goes into the whole data model, the whole data layer, and how we interconnect all of those things together. Again, there's players in the industry that are gunning for locked-in models for this. And we, as as an industry, as a community, need to enable people to connect these uh, various Computing um, accelerators or uh, different compute elements together in a way that's flexible, in a way that's not so locked in because you have to use a processor X with an accelerator Y and so on and so forth. And that's how we're going to deliver the best outcome for our user community for as long again as we have a solid runtime environment on top of it that abstracts some of the specificities. Last but not least, System. The industry also needs to drive um, kind of standards and how we integrate, how we build those things physically. If every time a new accelerator comes to the market and we every system integrator needs to go build a special box for this, we're never going to scale out. It's it's like a combinatorial explosion. And if it's on the order of a few million dollars to build any new platform, there's no way we're going to be able to enable the, to to enable the newcomers. It's almost like what we need is kind of a CI/CD environment, but for hardware, where a new accelerator could come in, uh, like physically, with its own set of drivers, and we could just plug that in, that generic or standardized infrastructure. It would boot it up, load the drivers, and start running some integration testing with all the math libraries and the runtime that that runs on top of that. But automatically, uh, we're not there today but i think this is likely something we should really seriously consider.
5: Second, the scientific community can provide input into what are the desirable pro- programming models that scientific comp- end users and programmers would like to leverage and what are the, some of the common cute use cases for leveraging them. This might include how for example, traditional or legacy MPI approaches, uh, legacy HPC approaches such as MPI are integrated with more modern and emerging approaches such as AI and ML frameworks. A third area that the scientific community can provide input is what are the parameters that really matter um, around AI for their workloads? Is it precision? Is it number format? Is it the resolution and, or is it uncertainty quantification? Increasingly, the scientific community can also help by extrapolating and publishing maybe proxy applications that can help in the design of new AI plus HPC systems. And finally, help identify what would be the new benchmarks that would be most relevant to scientific applications so that we can develop systems that really meet the needs of current and future researchers.
3: Open source community is an important player in the um, accelerated ecosystem and because they have historically paid less attention to accelerators, our recommendation is to actually start um, looking at this important new computing element in the the system. So for example, areas like tool chains, compilers, optimizers and debuggers are part of the, 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 the tool chains that we all use every day And many of these components are developing the open source community. Now, when it comes to accelerators, it's becoming hard to get access to the internals of that. So again, that's why the open source community has been a little behind on this. But, you know, our recommendation is to kind of try to boost some of the efforts out there, like Apache TDM, that are trying to standardize some of the layers that enable, you know, a full compilation and, and you know, performance implementation toolchain to become more open uh, in the acceleration space.
4: While we're seeing a burst in companies designing high performing and specialized accelerators, um, as well as all of these new system architectures, um, I advocate for uh, much more openness across the accelerator technology community. Uh, we also need to try uh, to be less dependent on closed proprietary frameworks. This includes efforts uh, that maybe even have an open source version, uh, but that these uh, open source versions are primarily primarily driven and controlled by a single influencer. Instead, the better approach uh, is to open up the internals and low-level interfaces of these different system components, uh, which can allow for other end users and community developers to fully use architecture potentials uh, written uh, and also be able to write uh, custom kernels and uh, create new methods to be able to uh, interface with these system uh, system components. Finally, an ability to accurately predict system performance and efficiently combine these into high-level solutions uh, will be the key to efficiently solve a variety of new problems in the future.
0: Cloud service providers, we make recommendation uh, that they open up uh, their system interfaces uh, with the objective to make their infrastructure more portable across different uh, providers and different accelerators. Uh, This can enable them uh, to more easily expand into high performance computing and enterprise market by exposing uh, innovations in a more open and uh, usable across these multi-cloud and hybrid deployments.